on Thursday. Weather looks like it's actually going to be pretty nice. Uh, high of 53, partly sunny on Thanksgiving Day. Look at that. First alert forecast coming up. Uh, it was during a Thursday hearing, Josh Hawley grilled FBI Director Christopher Wray. And about half of the grilling was regarding the last time there was an oversight hearing. And he raised, like, oh, i got to leave, uh, got to go, got to cut this short, I've got business to deal with. And it turned out he was just going on vacation. And and so Holly um, <laughs> really put the screws to him over that and, uh, and some other questions, if you will. And uh, it, was, it was Thursday this took place, but uh, just Friday didn't have the opportunity to play the audio. And so I uh, want to do some of that. Garland, just three days after... Trump makes it official that he will be challenging Garland's boss, the big guy, Joe Biden, for the presidency, should Biden decide he wants to run. Garland announced, oh, we're going to, how about a special counsel? You know, I just keep hearing over and over again in my head uh, during the, the midterms, and Obama was out there campaigning, talking about the dangers that that we face as a country if Republicans get in charge, how we'll see political opposition investigated by the tools uh, at their disposal. And, I, I mean, has Trump ever not been the recipient of that treatment? Have Trump supporters ever not been targeted? One of the individuals that is tapped to be instrumental in the special uh, counsel investigation is one of the individuals that was part of the IRS when it was targeting conservatives. Remember that scandal in which no one was held accountable. And as you, these people, they just keep popping up, popping up, popping up individuals that should be run out of Washington, D.C., potentially oftentimes should be in prison, and instead they get promoted. The reason they get promoted is because the dirty little secret here is they're doing exactly what it is that they are supposed to do. Jack Smith, the special counsel appointed by Garland to investigate Trump, was a key figure in the IRS infamous targeting of conservative nonprofits, according to a 2014 report by Republicans on the House Oversight Committee. On October 8, 2010, Smith, then chief of the DOJ Criminal Division Public Integrity Section at the time, called a meeting with former IRS official Lois Lerner to discuss how the IRS could assist in the criminal enforcement of campaign finance laws against political active nonprofits, according to testimony from Richard Pilger, then director of the section's election crime branch and subordinate of Smith's to the Oversight Committee. Lerner eventually resigned from the IRS in 2015 following criticism of her targeting American conservatives while denying or delaying tax-exempt status. And so here, 
you've got this guy who is being tapped to investigate former President Trump. Three days after he made his announcement that he was, in fact, and filed the proper paperwork to, in fact, run for the presidency. The American Transmissions talk and text line 447-KSGF. We're streaming live. Facebook 1041. Nick Reed, Jason Ryman now with the latest news update. A judge in Virginia has refused to quash a subpoena issued to former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki that seeks her deposition in a lawsuit filed by Missouri and Louisiana. The states say that the Biden administration conspired to silence conservative voices on social media. She says a deposition would place an undue burden on her. A U.S. magistrate transferred that case to Louisiana, where the lawsuit was filed, and a judge has already ordered her deposition. Also today, a man from Tennessee is suing Kanakuk Camps in Branson, claiming the organization and its leaders lied to him and his parents when they signed a settlement of sex abuse claims against the camp counselor. Logan Yandel from Hendersonville, Tennessee, and his parents filed that suit Friday. The family reached a confidential settlement that included a non-disclosure agreement in 2010, after Yandel was abused by Peter Newman, who's serving two life sentences for sexually abusing multiple children at the Christian summer camp. The lawsuit says Kanakuk officials told victims' families they didn't know about Newman's sexual activities before his arrest and encouraged them to sign settlements with non-disclosure agreements. St. Louis police say a three-year-old boy was in critical condition after shooting himself in the eye. Police say it appears the boy accidentally shot himself in the eye shortly before 4.30 Saturday. Child abuse investigators are looking into that situation. I'm Jason Rima, Springfield's Talk, 1041. First alert forecast, sponsored by Navant. Employee benefits that work, sunny 55 today for a high, clear overnight, low of 30. Tomorrow, sunshine 57. Wednesday, keeping with the sunshine, a high of 58. And partly sunny for Thanksgiving, a high of 53. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Well, here's a fun one. FDA says telling people not to take ivermectin for COVID-19 was just a recommendation. It wasn't anything that they really uh, were married to. It was that this is all in court. As the FB, uh, the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, is being sued. Epoch Times reporting the U.S. Food and Drug Administration telling people to stop taking ivermectin for COVID-19 was informal. It was just a, just a suggestion. Government lawyers argued during a recent hearing. Quote, the cited statements were not directives. They weren't mandatory. They were just recommendations. They said what parties should do. They said, for example, why you should not take ivermectin to treat COVID-19. They did not say you may not do it or you must not do it. They did not say it's prohibited or unlawful. They also did not say that doctors may not prescribe ivermectin, according to Isaac Belfar, one of the attorneys telling the court during the November 1st hearing in federal court on Tuesday or uh, federal court in Texas. He also said they used informal language. That is true. It's conversational, but not mandatory, end quote. Well, well, well. Isn't this interesting? So all of the freaking out. We were told that if you questioned 
or suggested that maybe some people, if their doctors felt that it was appropriate, that maybe they should take ivermectin. After all, what harm is there? Well, the harm is you are going to be responsible for killing people. There were these fake stories popping up. Oh, that there was a story. Emergency rooms are overflowing with people that are overdosing on ivermectin. These fantastical stories would pop up. And, of course, they would be on the surface. Just so ludicrous. Nothing about it made sense whatsoever. And then, of course, people would begin to notice the story would fall apart. But we were constantly told, mocked. People like Joe Rogan or so many others, even in the medical community that said, actually, ivermectin does work fairly well, were threatened to be, you know, have their license pulled. Uh, people demanded that, that uh, social media sites ban them because they're spreading disinformation that's so dangerous people are going to die. Now the FDA is saying, hey, I mean, yeah, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, it was just sort of an informal, hey, just so you know, that's off-label use. No big deal. The hearing is held in a case brought by three doctors who say the FDA illegally interfered with their ability to prescribe medicine to their patients when it issued statements on ivermectin, the antiparasitic that has shown positive results in some trials against COVID-19. Ivermectin approved by the FDA, but not for COVID-19 specifically. Drugs, of course, commonly used for non-approved purposes in the United States. The practice is known as off-label treatment. The FDA went so far as to create a website in 2021 titled, quote, Why You Should Not Use Ivermectin to Treat or Prevent COVID-19, and later posted a link to the page on Twitter while writing, quote, You are not a horse, you are not a cow, seriously, y'all, stop it, end quote. A second post from the FDA uh, stated, Hold your horses, y'all. Ivermectin may be trending, but it still isn't authorized or approved to treat COVID-19. In a separate page, the FDA said, question, should I take ivermectin to prevent or treat COVID-19? Answer, no. Those actions interfered with the doctor's practice of medicine, violating the laws, including the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, according to the lawsuit. It asked that the court rule the actions unlawful and bar the FDA from directing or opining as to whether ivermectin should be used to treat COVID-19. Jared Kelson, attorney representing the plaintiffs, told the court during the hearing that the informal claim, quote, doesn't explain the language they actually used. Stop it. Stop it with the ivermectin, end quote. The FDA clearly, or their actions rather, quote, clearly convey that this is not an acceptable way to treat those patients, he argued. Plaintiffs in the case include Dr. Paul Merrick, who began utilizing ivermectin in his COVID-19 treatment protocol in 2020 while he was the chief of pulmonary and critical care medicine at Eastern Virginia Medical School and director of the intensive care unit at Centara Norfolk General Hospital. Wait a minute, you're telling me that respected medical professionals were utilizing ivermectin? I thought people were going to veterinarians. I thought people were going to uh, stores that sell horse products. I, this, this is what we were told. That they, they were mocked because, of course, no respected medical professional would ever do something so foolish. 
After the FDA's statement, Dr. Merrick was told to remove the protocol from the school's servers, while Centara issued a memo to hospitals telling them to stop using ivermectin against COVID-19, citing the FDA. Merrick was forced to resign from his position because he could not prescribe ivermectin due to the FDA's statement, according to the suit. The government has moved to dismiss the complaint, asserting plaintiffs lack standing because the injuries cannot be traced back to the FDA during the recent hearing, which was on the motion to dismiss. The government said that the FDA could not be blamed for the injuries. Quote, plaintiffs have also not shown that any of their claimed injuries are fairly traceable to defendants' statements because their injuries were caused by independent third-party conduct. There was not a predictable response to the statements, Belfar, the government lawyer said. He noted that the FDA's pages say people can use ivermectin if their health care provider provides it, arguing the statements, quote, did not bind the public or FDA, did not interpret any uh, substantive rules, and did not set agency policy, and said the FDA's position could change in the future if new data becomes available. Kelson disagreed noting that if the government's going to label ivermectin a horse medication or a horse dewormer and promulgate the idea that it is only for animals, then the natural correlation is that doctors who prescribe it are horse doctors or quack doctors, which is played out. That is enough of a harm to get into court or to have the motion dismissed rejected, he said. And, of course, this is what we saw. I mean, we, you don't have to have the sharpest memory in the world, to remember how anyone was treated that talked about ivermectin. I mean, you you had the full force of the censorship police working behind the scenes, those within the Biden administration with big tech, which of course is... Uh, I think Jason Rima mentioned one of the, the lawsuits regarding that, where they coordinated with big tech, among other things, to ban people from having conversations about such things. And every time it was the FDA said, the FDA said, this is why so many hospitals. I mean, you probably, some of you may have experienced this. I know that I would quite frequently get contacted by people who had loved ones that were at the point where it looked as if death was imminent, and they said, for the love of God, at local hospital, can we at least try ivermectin? No, because the FDA says you can't. And here the FDA is in court saying, hey, it wasn't really a, I mean, it was just a, a slight suggestion. Nobody had to listen. I mean, we, we didn't say your doctor couldn't prescribe it. No, you just described anyone who even entertained the notion of being anti-science, of being some sort of lunatic quack that's trying to treat people with horse dewormer, which, of course, was a lie. You literally had people believing, mostly recipients of news from the mainstream outlets and the MSNBCs and the CNNs, literally believing that what, they, that what human beings were doing is they were going to veterinarians and getting horse dewormer. And now the FDA, in court, claiming that it never meant that to be any sort of mandate whatsoever but just a mere suggestion. Springfield's Talk 104.1, I'm Nick Reed.
You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. You know, it would be nice if there were just the slightest bit of reflection amongst the media outlets, be they national or, or be they local, that railed on citizens because of this accepted premise through the FDA that this at narrative they were creating that ivermectin was something that was such a careless careless way to go about treating it oh there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever and and th- this misinformation the disinformation is going to be responsible to uh, or for the the deaths of of lord knows how many different people and, and the media just fell into it the media utilized well the fda says the fda says the fda says and anyone who questioned it was treated as if they were some sort of imbecile uh, outside of the confines of science. I mean, we saw local reports here that were going after certain people in the community that were in the medical community that uh, was, the, you know, either wanted to prescribe or did prescribe ivermectin, and it was used in order to smear them as being kooks. And it was very, very successful because you could see the way that people would pile on and that they would, through conversation on social media, mock these educated professionals in the medical community. And it would be nice if there were some editorial board at some paper, whether it's national or local, it says, you know what, maybe we were too quick to hero worship. Maybe in the future, just because people who are in government and have certain titles say that something is or isn't recommended, we should not just make that the end-all, be-all and criticize and crucify anyone who dares question it. Maybe we should get back to a time where we do question these things. It isn't as if there were a lack of doctors that not only were saying this is not something that's dangerous for people to use, but many in the medical community were prescribing it to people, and there were tremendous results that occurred. Oftentimes, people who were on their deathbed. And you wonder how many people died unnecessarily. We want to talk about people unnecessarily dying. How many people died at one of the uh, local hospitals here? Because of a policy based off the FDA recommendation that you don't even utilize ivermectin, even if there's no downside. We would carry this show. You'd have stories pop up every so often where uh, I think there was one in Illinois or or Indiana, and it was uh, a gal whose father was on death's doorstep, and they had to sue in order to uh, allow for ivermectin to be used. And within 24 hours, he was up walking around. Now, of course, not every case is that way. But you wonder how many people lost loved ones because of that ignorant, close-minded, hero-worship approach of deciding that people like Fauci or anyone at the FDA is infallible and questioning them is questioning science. And people lost, you know, mothers and fathers and, and brothers and sisters. And we don't, there's no way to really know, unfortunately, But to me, it defies reason and it defies logic 
to believe that there were no lives unnecessarily lost because of the stubborn refusal, because of hero worship, to allow medical professionals to use ivermectin. And it just, just if one of these institutions would say, you know what, we were wrong, we're sorry. Just sorry. Just sorry. Springfield's Talk 1041, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast, sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvement. Sunny, 55 for a high today, clear 30 tonight, 57 tomorrow, and a high of 58 on Wednesday. Floors Plus, Nick's and Springfield, all of your flooring needs. Five-star reviews all across the board, decades of experience, highly qualified crews. They spent a great deal of time making sure that they had those high-quality crews for the installation because it's one thing to have great product, but if you don't have the proper installation done, then you're kind of wasting money. And it's why Floors Plus spent so much time, uh, instead of just hiring every person they could as quickly as possible so as to meet demand, they were very deliberate and very specific about making sure they got quality people for installation in the work shows. Floors Plus and Nixa, Floors Plus Springfield, 12%, uh, 0%, or 12th year, man, I'm going to start that over, 12-month, 0% financing uh, currently available, so you may want to check into that and, and find out what they can do for you. It's easy. Pick out the floor they measure, bam, get it installed. This um, case of um, the... Idaho students that were murdered. Um, it's it's such an unusual case, and new information comes out that doesn't seem to answer anything, but it really does lead to more questions. Uh, it was maybe a week or so. My timeline may be a, a bit off here. Uh, a, a week or so after the murders were announced, they were like, "Oh yeah, by the way." There were two other people there that survived. The killings were believed to have happened like 2, 3 in the morning. Though a 911 call was not placed until midnight, uh, they have revealed, or I'm sorry, until noon the next day, they have revealed that one of the phones of the surviving individuals was the phone that was used to call 911, but it sounds as if it may not have been one of the, the individual who actually owned the phone. It Part of what seems, I don't know, it's not perplexing to me. In this day and age with technology, I have myself convinced nobody can get away with anything. And what seems to be remarkable about this is that you had four individuals that were killed with a knife, brutally, while two survivors were in the home, and seemingly, unless they're holding something back, there's no idea who this individual is. How it was that this individual was able to get into the home, though some say while there was a code necessary, there was a sliding glass door that evidently people were with ease able to get in and out of. Uh, It sounds as if the individuals 
had been placing numerous phone calls to one person right before the deaths, though law enforcement has said that they cleared that individual. The fact, it just seems like security cameras are all over the place any longer. I, I mean, just virtually anywhere. And this would have been somebody that was walking around in the middle of the night, made it into the home, was able to murder four individuals without the other two knowing anything was going on seemingly they're said to be totally cooperating with law enforcement there it but it's just like i mean can you still in this day and age with technology and the tracking of everybody all the time i mean you know we if you watch 2000 mules the ability to purchase um cell phone pings essentially uh, in any given area during any period of time, and that may very well be something that they're doing, where if that in you know that where they're able to see by way of cell phones uh, who was in the area, should those people have had cell phones on them at that particular time, and and then work from there. And that may be something that they're doing, but they're just not giving out all the information, which isn't unusual for a case of this nature. The one thing, though, that nobody seems that I have heard to be saying when everybody's so confused, how could one person take down four people uh, and then um, two not have heard a single thing? These are college students on a weekend night in the middle of the night. I think there's a very good chance that they were just blackout drunk, possibly. And I don't know if people are hesitant to speculate that as you watch on television and all the speculation. And I'm sure somebody has. But I'll listen to these panels, and they're like, how could this happen? And I'm like, well, it could be they were just really, really drunk college students, and you're passed out, and a freight train could go through the home, and and you just would not wake up. And, you know, whether that would be all of them or just the two surviving individuals, um, you know, some of that, I suppose, we will know in the future, or maybe, I don't know, we'll we'll never know the answer to it. But that seems like such a logical explanation to me in the middle of the night on a weekend with college students. And I, I just wonder if people hesitate to speculate because it sounds like, oh, you're, uh, you are, uh, you're painting them in in a in a negative light when they were victims, and I don't think that anyone is naive to the fact that college students, uh, oftentimes on a Friday or Saturday night, and or even during a weeknight, uh, will be partying and get to that point to where they're just again blackout drunk, and it would make something like that much more possible. I don't know whether that's the case or not, but it just seemed like such a an obvious possibility for more people not to be talking about. Uh, There also, as you know, was this uh, in Colorado, a shooting that took place at a a nightclub, and it is uh, a LGBTQ plus gay nightclub. And so, sadly, because of that, you already have political figures claiming that people who... I mean, just bizarre statements. One, trying to once again paint this country as the sort of place that uh, that the LGBT community is constantly targeted. It's the same people that lied, claiming the Pulse nightclub shooting was a targeted anti-LGBTQ uh, shooting. 
when it had nothing whatsoever to do with that. It was somebody who was angry uh, and called either law enforcement or the media or both saying that he was doing it in order to get back at the United States for the wars in the Middle East. I mean, there was no doubt what the motivation was, yet you still had the likes of Lois Lerner, or not Lois Lerner, but um, uh, uh, whomever the attorney general was at the time, her name escapes me, and, and I mean, traveling down to Florida and and trying to instill fear in people in ways that were not only totally unnecessary, but cruel, I would say. And this insistence on people being involved in a horrific incident where people have lost their lives, people have lost their loved ones, and immediately try to score political points by claiming what a shock. The left is pointing the finger and claiming that it's, uh, you know, the the conservatives, the MAGA type people, a, a direct line from their anti-LGBTQ rhetoric to this individual. Now, of course, we don't know what the reason is, and who, perhaps it is somebody that was targeting the club because of uh, the, the the nature of it, um, but to to just out of the gate how dark how how craven how macabre must a human being be to to just immediately instead of saying let's wait and see what this is about decide we are going to use this in order to unnecessarily scare a segment of the population into believing that they're targeted because of their lifestyle without having any idea whether there's truth to that or not and like I said, the Pulse, we know that these people do it because with the Pulse nightclub shooting, the person said why he did it. And, and you saw the Obama administration still get out there and lie, claiming that it was, you know, just living in America today as a person of the LGBTQ community being targeted because of who they love. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. All right, Josh Holly, this is from the end of last week. Failed to uh, get the audio on air, and it's a full exchange between. Missouri U.S. Senator Josh Hawley and FBI Director Christopher Wray. And it starts out, you may recall, during an oversight hearing uh, six, eight months ago. I don't know. It could have been a year ago. And senators were anticipating that they were going to have much more time in order to question Ray on a number of different issues. And then he's like, oh, by the way, I got to go. I got things to do. I got business i, I got to hop on a jet and it didn't take long to find out one the, the 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 plane was at his disposal it wasn't like he had a southwest connecting flight somewhere that he was going to miss and it also would be revealed that his busy work was actually going on vacation so the uh, roughly the first half of Holly's questioning of Ray is in reference to that. And uh, this is how it all played out. This year you were at the Senate Judiciary Committee. You remember that, I assume. We had to cut that hearing short 
We were supposed to do two rounds of questions. You said you had to be somewhere, so we cut it short. Republicans were not able to ask a second round as we had been informed we would. The press reported shortly thereafter that the reason that the hearing had to be cut short is because you were flying on a Gulfstream jet for a personal vacation in the Adirondacks. Please tell me that's not accurate. Senator, the hearing was cut short, was not cut short from my experience. We had agreed beforehand on the time and, and, uh, and length of it, and my, I was very surprised to find that the, any man on the committee was surprised. Uh, as to how I uh, fly, I am required, not only uh, permitted, but required to fly uh, on uh, an FBI plane wherever I go. That's so, so you were going on vacation? I was, yes. So you left a statutorily required oversight hearing in order to go on a personal vacation in the Adirondacks? I took a flight to go visit my family, uh, as had been previously arranged in conjunction no, no, with no. the leadership of the committee. The ranking member, Chuck Grassley, asked you during the hearing, he said, I assume you must have other business. You said, yes. He then said, if you have a business trip, you've got your own plane, can't it wait a while? He then said, Chuck Grassley, we only just heard half an hour ago that now you have to leave. We were going to have a seven-minute round followed by a three-minute round. I've got seven people on my side of the aisle, that included me, who are waiting for this additional round. Is there any reason we can't accommodate them for 21 minutes? And you said you had a plane to catch. You had somewhere to go. And now we find out it was for vacation? The, the reference to other business was not a reference to that day. It was a reference to the following week where Senator Grassley and I were going to see each other in Iowa when I had other business in Iowa, and I did, in fact, see him then. So, wait, you had to leave the hearing early because you, had, you were going to see him later in Iowa in a week? No, I had to leave uh, when I said I was going to have to leave, as had been previously organized <laughs> with the leadership of the committee. You, you left an oversight hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee required by statute so you could vacation with your family. I find that absolutely unbelievable and, frankly, indefensible. Now, is it your practice to use government planes? You say you do this all the time. You flew in a Gulfstream 550, I think, that was originally purchased for counterterrorism purposes. You were using it to go to, what is it, Saranac Lake? Is that how I say it? I've never been there. Is that, is that the right pronunciation, Saranac Lake? That was your destination? Yes. So... Did you enjoy the flight? I mean, did you pay for it? Yes, I paid for it. Will you turn over all receipts and reimbursement to Se this committee? Senator, we will be happy to comply with oversight requests related to the use of the plane. As I said, and it's important for people to understand. Uh, why don't you just give me a I yes? Can can I, I, will you turn over the receipts for your flight? I will turn over the information related to committee. my use of the plane. The use of the plane, I am required, not just permitted, required even for personal travel, to use the FBI plane. How convenient and for I you. Pay, and I pay every single time that I use the plane for personal I'm glad it's available for you to jet away from your statutorily required hearings and oversight before this Congress where you denied the ability of members of Congress to ask you questions because you had to go on a personal vacation using a government plane. Let's just look at some of the things while you've been vacationing that your FBI has been doing. According to numerous whistleblowers who have come forward to members of this body, to members of the House, 
The FBI has been sending more than, in one instance, a dozen armed agents to a rural Pennsylvania home of a Catholic pro-life demonstrator to arrest him at gunpoint in front of his children in early morning hours, despite the fact that he posed no risk of violence or threat and had previously offered to turn himself in. Numerous whistleblowers, field agents, have alleged that D.C., your headquarters, has pulled them off working on child sex abuse cases, working on human trafficking cases, in order to work on January 6th matters for this reason, to give the appearance, they say, they say, that there are hundreds of new domestic terrorism cases in the country, when in fact there are not. Whistleblowers, field agents have also said that D.C. has ordered the use of SWAT teams on nonviolent suspects who may have attended a January 6th rally, and they have been ordered to conduct surveillance and knock on doors of people who were not even in D.C. on January 6th. And again, all of this, according to the whistleblowers, these are your agents, all of this in order to make it look as if there's a mass surge in domestic terrorism all across the country when, in fact, the stats are being padded by political directive in your office. They also say, these whistleblowers, the D.C. leadership deliberately suppressed investigations into Hunter Biden, contrary to FBI procedure, and have also retaliated against FBI agents and whistleblowers who have contacted Congress, which, by the way, they are protected by statute to do so. This is what's happening at your FBI while you are evading oversight hearings. Mr. Director, do you think you're still up to this job? I absolutely think I'm still up to this job, and I think our workforce feels the same way. Well, I don't. And frankly, I think you should have been gone a long time ago. And given your behavior recently, I think it only makes it more clear. Are there any travel plans today that we should be aware of that you have? We're supposed to have a second round. Will you be here for that? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, FBI. Hard at work. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Sarah Myers. Thank you, thank you. Well, as we invite our friends and family over for the holiday season, I know, maybe you have noticed some things around your home that you would like done. Or maybe whenever you go to your friends and family's house for the holiday, maybe you notice, oh, really like that. Maybe I can get that done at my house. But you're not exactly sure who to call for some of those home repairs. Well, I have a name for you. And that name is Beatles Property Maintenance. Now, Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S, and they do a variety of home repairs and maintenance. Now, they can help you with a lot of those stressful jobs. Maybe you have some crawl space issues that you need to address. Maybe you need to install a vapor barrier. Maybe you've had some leaks that have caused some problems in your house. Those are all things that Beatles Property Maintenance can help you out with. But they can also help you out with those uh, more fun home home repairs and improvements. Uh, Maybe you want to fix up your deck or maybe you have a bathroom remodel that needs to be done or maybe you want to install brand new uh, ceiling lights and all kinds of different lighting they can help you out with that as well now you can find all the contact information for bruce and the beatles property maintenance team at ksgf.com under the sarah's endorsements tab to um, provide further evidence of the just absolute unethical behavior the associated press that these folks never stop they claimed saturday during a fact check that republicans have not put forward any evidence that president biden and his son hunter have spoken about the family's foreign business dealings are you out of your mind you know how dishonest you have to be to put that forward 
Republicans have submitted, among other things, a recording of Joe Biden leaving a voicemail for Hunter Biden about a business deal with a Chinese energy company, along with whistleblowers that have stated Joe Biden was intimately involved in the Biden family business. See, this is how it is that the left deals with inconvenient truth. They just claim they don't exist. We hear this all the time when it comes to issues in elections and voting. 2,000 Mules is a great example. I mean, that is, it's two hours or so chock full of evidence. Some may argue that it's not enough, uh, uh, you know, uh, to, to constitute proof. But it is evidence nonetheless. I mean, that's what the whole thing is about. Yet they still claim... On the left, there's no evidence. You may not like the evidence. You may want to ignore the evidence, but that doesn't make it not evidence. It was Saturday the Associated Press falsely claimed that Joe Biden has said he's never spoken to his son about his foreign business, and nothing the Republicans have put forth suggests otherwise. Representative Jim Jordan Top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee stated as early as 2020 that whistleblower Tony Bobolinsky, one of Hunter's business partners, twice met with Joe Biden to discuss a business deal in China with CEFC China Energy Co. Bobolinsky stating, I directly dealt with the Biden family, including Joe Biden. An email found on Hunter's laptop outlined the proposed percentage distribution of equity in a company created for a joint venture with CEFC China Energy Co., the New York Post reported about the energy deal. The proposed business venture sent on March 13, 2017, included, quote, 10 held by H for the big guy, which, of course, the big guy being Joe Biden. That's his cut. The deal was between Bobolinsky, the Biden family, and the high-ranking members of the Chinese Communist Party. Bobolinsky confirmed that the big guy was a reference to Joe Biden. Secondly, Joe Biden left a voicemail on Hunter's phone about a New York Times story that was reporting on that business deal, in which Joe Biden noted, I think you're clear regarding the article, because he saw a digital version of it before it came out in actual print. Breitbart has a fact check of the fact check, and there's, of course, they provide much more evidence that has been put forth through emails, through testimony, through whistleblowers, yet the AP still declares that that's not evidence. If that isn't evidence, what is?